0: This episode of the Grown Ass Man Hip Hop show is brought to you by badmagics.com. badmagics.com. More than just an online journal or a clothing line, badmagics.com is a lifestyle brand dedicated to keeping you fresh from art to the music to the gear. badmagics.com. Shout out to the Magic Man. badmagics.com. Defenders of the true school. Got to grow. Away. Uh, 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 uh.
1: I think it's time to grow. Yeah.
0: Homie, you better know. Tell you em. know it's time to grow. What it is and what it do, this is your boy Lawrence G. And this is your boy Joey Bernal. And this is the, the grown, grown Ass Man, man Hip Hop, hop Show. Show. Where we talk about love, life, hip hop, and grown man shit. And everything in between. My Nika! What's up, cuzzo What's cracking, man? Shit. How was your week, man? My week was, I'm I'm on vacation from my job, and I ain't do a goddamn thing but make music. So that's about it. Oh, you actually made some music. Yeah, well, I, I went and, um, well, yeah, I ain't record nothing, but I got some lyrics ready. My nigga Haru, um, he's making a beat for me. So that's, that's about it, man, trying to get this shit knocked out. That's what's up. I wish I was doing cool shit like that. I got some an old music. man injury. I got old man injuries going on right now. Hurt yeah. my damn back at work. Ain't that a bitch? And so I'm, I'm, I, feel like a, I feel like a cripple right now. Mm-hmm. I hurt my lower lumbar. I strained my lower lumbar. What the fuck is a lower lumbar? Some old man shit. That's what it is. It's like your lower back. Well, we talk about love, life, and old man, man shit. <laughs> but yo, man, we got a special guest in the building, man. We got uh, somebody we've been trying to get in here for a minute. We got the man, the myth the legend the legend frederick freeze freddie freeze from badmagics.com the legendary freddie freeze in the building my nika
1: what's up everybody you know as they say uh the king of latvia uh aka the devil if it's ever really well such a thing that is i uh freddie freeze uh just checking in with everybody i'm here there everywhere you're probably gonna hear me here there everywhere that's what's up, man. So, uh, what's been going on with you, bro? You got some, uh, what's going on, man? Uh, business as usual. Too damn busy. Doing too much stuff. You know, like that, that schedule, schedule don't even make sense. I don't even know how I'm here. Hell, I don't even know how I'm existing So being here is a whole other yeah, this Yeah, this is a real I'm like, a, I'm like, I'm always grinding on some shit So yeah, this I doesn't mean, make any sense man.
0: I didn't even think I, I was, you know, my back kind of messed up really bad So I really didn't even think I was going to be here this week So I was kind of going to have Freddie Freeze fill in And he, I was like, yo, I'm going to call you And I'm going to have you on standby But this nigga showed up
1: anyway Hey, this is get my up. vacation, man. I had to I had to get away from my life for a minute, so I hide out I hide out in a unspecified location. Uh usually in y'all studios. They don't even know I do this, but I do it. That's what's up. That's what's up. So uh Lawrence G. What up though? No. Where can they get at us at, man?
0: Oh shoot, man. We all over the place. Uh, you the show, man. We got a we we are three headed monster at this point. Um you can check us out on SoundCloud. Yes, sir. Uh at the grown ass man podcast um it's titled the grown-ass man podcast but you know the official name is the grown-ass man hip-hop show you can catch us on soundcloud you can catch us on itunes and you can catch us on google play Mm -hmm. what would you say soundcloud drops every thursday yeah and we drop every thursday and google play that's on what they drop they all drop on thursday and we're on the podcast radio network at seven o'clock okay drops that drops every friday okay podcast Radio um Network Friday
1: at seven SoundCloud.
0: all right that's what's up people y'all need to fuck with us Fred what's up with you man what you got going where can
1: we fuck with you at uh you can go check me out at badmagics.com where you know we keep it thorough for real hip-hop uh and I hate to use that word real hip-hop but it's something that we just like to convey uh pretty much the culture itself that's something that we we build on and everybody that follows us over there they they pretty much know what we do uh if you want to see the freshest underground the freshest up and coming that's what we build on so you know check us out you know we also of course have our line and everything like that that goes with it you can find us at boards blades and beyond and so on and so forth That's a house brand so you i mean there's, there's several things that you'll find about us here there right, the don't
0: third. give it too much because i'm gonna ask you some questions about that now that i okay.
1: got you here
0: we're gonna have a proper interview. We're gonna do okay. this thing right. All right. But um, first things first, I've pop up. Freak saw the honeys. Done. It. Well, anyway. Um hmm. <laughs> uh, i want to talk about this mixtape shit. because yeah, I'm a fucking neophyte. Um the way I know mixtapes to be is a nigga raps over somebody else's beats. And he uses that as promotion. Right. So with you two, the the you you guys are my my elder statesman and uh school and fight lawrence g you you give me some good shit on all right well i'm gonna take it back to um i'm gonna just say it like this without the mixtape hip-hop would have never went national or worldwide because we we um new new hip-hop was a new york thing it was strictly a new york when it popped it popped in new york what made hip-hop spread even to other boroughs in New York were the late-night mix shows that used to come on. And we can take it further back than that, but I'm going to start here. The late-night mix shows, Mr. Magic. Uh, who, who who else am I missing? Uh, uh, of course, Marley Marr. Marley Marr.
1: Later, later on, um, you already said Mr. Magic. There was Marley Marr. There was... Um, uh, DJ remember, Red Alert. Red Alert had a show. And there was like several other people during that time frame that some of their name is escaping me now. And really what was happening and I'm just going to piggyback on what you're saying, not to steal your thunder. Right. But really what was happening was the average person would take, you know, make a tape of what was going on, because an actual mixtape before them was something and people may know this. Like you would take a series of songs that you like right and you would just arrange them accordingly so you'd be your own dj DJ. so back in the days people with the tape culture they would like people they they are they interacted with music a whole different way than we do nowadays we just used to is used to it coming to us right and left but people would like choose what they had actually found they would make mixtapes for friends pass them out and so on and so forth well people started also taping these same mix shows that were done by these DJs and these DJs and people like that, that was going into the radio station, they were doing live mixes of records that they found. So they were doing mixes and people, the whole, it was a big deal to catch a particular tape and people were recording these tapes and they were trading the tapes.
0: And let me go back and let me explain something. Let me go back and let me say this. These mix shows didn't come on until one and two o'clock in the morning. You know what I'm saying? And they was only for, more more than likely, they were only on for maybe an hour. And so the DJ was a necessity in this because the DJ could mix so many songs in an hour. You know what I'm saying? And he could get more than just an hour's worth of music with a good DJ and a good host. So are you guys saying that a mixtape was a recorded radio mix? Yes. That... The DJs used to put together. Or, no, what or now? Is his it, name, here's what happened: the people used to record because you got to think about. Because I like I said, I'm a neophyte fight so I need y'all to teach me this shit. The um, the invention of the cassette tape is really what changed everything. The invention of the cassette tape was brought what seventy. Seventy seven, yeah, something like that. Seventy seven in there, and
1: remember, they always said that every time you had something like a cassette tape or something pop up, they said that this is going to like pretty much make piracy go out the window. Like you have, well, you have so many people pirate the the rate of piracy go way up, because what people were doing was they were now able to capture the sound off the radio, so they were able to actually put a tape in and catch the songs they wanted off the radio and just listen to it. Back, if they wanted to listen to it, and right. people were doing that, so it was the people that were actually recording. Right, the people recording because you couldn't noise. find
0: this music nowhere when hip hop first started to pop. The only place you could find hip hop was one or two o'clock on the radio. So what what was happening with these mixtapes And I'm giving you like the so it was kind of like let me let me dumb it down for my brain. So it was kind of like the consumer, if you want to say that the people, the people listening, the everyday average people listening to the radio. Would record the music off that the DJ spun. Right, exactly. And then these tapes would get traded and passed right. around. Right, and it was an actual mix and it, tape. Right, it was right. A, a, a mixed segment of radio music. Right. On a tape. Well, let's call it Mixtape 2.0. It was let's a call it mix Mixtape 2.0. Tape. And the reason I'm saying 2.0 is because in 1970, well, I'm going to say 75, 77 when the Mixtape, when the actual cassette tape first came out, what people were doing, like Fred said, what people were actually doing, they would hear songs on the radio. And uh, we used to call them pause tapes back in the day. And I'm not as old as 1977, but still. They used to call them pause tapes back in the day. That's when you hear your song on the radio, you record that one song, and you pause it and wait for your next favorite song. And after a while, you know, a cassette tape got A-side and B-side. So after a while, what would happen is you would have all your favorite songs from the radio on this tape. That was how the culture started. People just recording their favorite songs on this newfangled technology. Okay. Okay. Now, suddenly, so now that, and see, and that's how it happened. So, now what, so as you move further, because you got to realize, once again, hip hop wasn't everywhere. It wasn't like you could go to the record store and get the new whatever was hot. You know what I'm saying? The only way you could get hip hop was from the radio. And it was only on like Friday or Saturday nights at one or two o'clock in the morning. So, you actually had people that would stay up till one and two o'clock in the morning. And so you would get these people that would actually uh, record these mixed shows. And because everybody ain't going to stay up to 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, either because, hell, they just couldn't or because they didn't know to stay up at 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, you would get this, yo, man, you got to check this out, man. And it's that new such-and-such show from DJ Red Alert or Mr. Magic, and they would listen to it. And it will blow their mind. But like, whoa, what the hell is this? This is crazy. So now you got these mixtapes being traded. See, mixtapes was like our version of a baseball card. Was the hip hop version of a baseball card. Yep. You trade, you you collect them, you trade them, you pass them back and forth, and that's that's initially how hip hop started to grow out of the uh, out of New York because you had people you had people from the military coming to New York, you had people from down south visiting family from the west coast and what they would do they would either give them the mixtape or they would dub the mixtape. Now dubbing is just basically taking recording one mixtape, one cassette to another cassette. And then they would take these with them and they would go back to the West Coast, back down south overseas, back to the army, to the boot camp. And that's how and that's how hip hop started to spread outside of New York.
1: And then also you got to look at the fact that uh, various DJs actually made their own specific mixtapes for people. And they kind of captured the live party events and so on and so forth on Real to Real. Because like even before all of this was happening, like in the I think the late 60s and so on and so forth. You know the you know kind of the very first thing you would say that were mixtapes were like these records that were put together on real to real. not right. no, on real to real and then burned down to eight track, right. and they were bootlegs right, of right. the top forty, mm-hmm. and they would just sell these bootlegs. And see, one thing that would happen is like from state to state and so on and so forth, you had the tape man, largest practiced American art form, right? Right. Because people right. would uh, people arranging music according to their you know, to set a mood. To their taste, to however, whatever, and this is what the mixtape became. So that became the you know, the art form that So you that's made.
0: how the that's how the mixtape started. Okay, so that's the
1: like that's how hip hop got a
0: hold to the mixtape. Okay, so y'all taking y'all taking me on the journey. I'm learning shit. I feel like I'm in school. So okay, so you have one element where the average person is mm-hmm. recording his favorite songs from the radio mm-hmm. onto a cassette. Right. Then you have the other element where you have actual DJs recording their sets on cassette and recording their favorite song on cassette. Right. And they travel from hand to hand, person right. to person. Right, right. People coming to the city of New York, going back to their states, their cities, their towns, and these things, these cassette tapes are catching rides with people. Right. So right. Am, am I getting it right, right so far? Right, right, right. And, and we're talking about a span of, what, the seventies, late seventies? I'm gonna say this probably happened from like seventy five and I could get this wrong, anybody from New this, York that just so happened to be listening. Like I said I'ma say I'ma say for, for just speaking specifically within the realms of hip hop, yeah, I'm gonna say from like seventy five to like eighty one.
1: Hell eighty nine. Really? Well,
0: really you could say seventy five to eighty nine. Yeah. Because, you know, but but by that time hip uh mixtapes were starting to change a little bit it was
1: it was going over to the to the cd world cds right. were gonna slowly come into the scene and how the mixtapes were were you know they they were it was gonna all change and then you know hip-hop it kind of got its play on the on some radio stations it was right. in the record store so you had legitimate hip-hop but you still had everybody's favorite friend the bootleg man and DJs, and the dj's and
0: another aspect another right. aspect is that the dj's that were playing hip hop on the radio were playing a completely different style of hip hop that was in the clubs like for instance the radio the 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 um the the hip hop that was being played on the radio was almost akin to disco it was real glitzy it was you know the Sugar Hill Gang Curtis Blow it was it was almost like adjacent to disco it was like rap over disco beats basically over a disco break that was that's what was going on on the radio. What was going on in the clubs was more of the sound like Run DMC. That's um, it was the the, the heavy bass and the heavy well, drum sound.
1: And and really, what Run DMC was trying to capture, because what Def Jam was trying to do there was they were trying to actually capture that sound of the party. Because right, the whole right. the whole idea was you know catching breaks and making them like with that disco that disco feel that dance feel because it was all about catching a party cuz like with all of this coming from the Jamaican sound system and everything
0: that's actually how the actual mixtape got started by definition that is what a mixtape is it's very literal it's very it's a it's very it was literal mix of your favorite sorted materials on, on a, a tape. tape right okay so how do we get into Niggas rapping over other motherfuckers' beats. Is at the beginning, it was very literal. It was a mix of assorted material and artists on a, a tape. tape. Yes. Um, Created by DJs and um, like a people. the Common Man. So it was very literal. It was very simple. So I want to know, and either Lawrence G uh, or Fred Freeze, y'all can help me with this. How do we get to the point where niggas was just rapping over somebody else's beat? Okay, look. I'm going to... I'll give my spin on it, and then Fred, you can give your spin on it. All right. So my spin is this: I'm going to jump ahead to ninety-seven, ninety-eight,
1: something like that, with probably. Fifty Cent. But actually, it probably was a little bit before end. Right. You got to remember, uh, cats have been catching the B sides and breaks for a minute, and part of the culture in New York, you always had this like the underground culture, and the underground culture basically was um you know people trying to figure out how they finna get on so somebody would take a beat or whatever like that that was already hot in the streets and they would flip it and make it their own thing yeah that that was already going on in the culture and really and and like I said, they would do these tapes and they would sell them all up and down the areas like Canal and all that other joint. And so that that would pretty much be how a guy got known because he was like, oh, man, this dude is an up and coming rapper. You know, he would may have somebody that he knows is doing him some little sideshow beats. But of course, he would also rock over the well-known beats of the time because hip hop in itself would like take, say, a hot R&B song of the time. And somebody would max it down and flip it down or they would just get the instrumental and do would just. You know, go in on it and right. do whatever he was gonna do. Well, the same thing would happen with like various rap songs. Right, like if there, right. were, if if there, if you could get the vinyl and the vinyl had an instrumental version, right? The, yeah, so, somebody finna rap on it. They basically set it up to rap on. And if right, you know, you left right. so much time in the front of your album for a break, and you had a dude that was halfway, you know, functional, then that's when that pause mixtape situation come in, and Cass was rapping on.
0: Which, which I'm not gonna. Which rappers? Before I jump into the whole. Popularization of the whole thing That's part of the culture To do that is part of the culture Because you had a lot of rappers That would get on instrumentals And they would make their Either they would make a funny version A parody version of a song That was already hot Or they would just make A completely different song For instance um, One of NWA's early songs Was a flip on uh, Run DMC's My Adidas They had a song called My Penis and yeah. they use that same beat and they just called it my penis. Yeah, hip hop is we steal a lot of shit. Yeah, hip hop is sample, a, we steal. It's yeah. a collage hip hop at its roots is a collage culture. And I stole that phrase from Fred. It's a collage culture. It's
1: a lot okay. of people don't
0: want to hear this, but at the root, hip hop is an, an electronic collage culture. Hip hop sounds its best in that element.
1: And, and don't forget it comes from the Jamaican, like I said, you know, going back to cool Herc and them, it comes from the Jamaican sound system, which you know, at you've got the DJ that's the selector and uh the actual you know, MC is what we call it would be the DJ and that you know, part of their their sound uh system culture where you had these huge Herculean speakers. That's why DJ cool Herc called. Yeah, he had the biggest speakers. Herculoids, yeah. The, you know, the Herculoids. yeah. He yeah, had so, the biggest speakers you know, in New York. And so basically a lot of that stuff is borrowed and his borough. Yeah, exactly. And, and then, then when you got like you know, what N.W.A. and all those guys doing, that was like, you know, that was definitely that part of that whole parody culture. Right. Like what they were doing with like, hey, I'm going to take this and I'm going to parody it. You know, we and make a the, gangster version
0: of this shit yeah, exactly. for what, my people. Exactly. Right. And so
1: that's what they would do. And that's a whole big thing. But then, like I said, later on, you had guys where they were pasting everything together and they were actually making literal street like tapes, like mixed tapes based on it. And they were able to forge whole albums and whole ideas off of what somebody else had. And that's, you know, that was a whole different thing. When you got the DJ that knew what he was doing and he was going to bring out a certain type of song and, you know, you had your up and coming rapper, he going to come in and just drop 16s, drop 16s, drop 16s or 24s or whatever. You know, that was a thing. And of course, you know, with them trying to just juggle out the beats you know, right. Make, yeah. Make yeah. The turntables exactly. You get
0: when you juggle out a beat. Basically, what you do is you take this. You you get two vinyls with the same instrumental. Right. Or you get two vinyls that have the same that have the same beat. Right. They have the same song on them. What you do is you run that to the break. Right. On one turntable, and then you run it to the break on the other turntable, and basically what you do is you sit there and you just go back and forth between both turntables to make an extended break beat long enough for a rapper to get on. Okay. Okay. So, so I'm gonna say, like I said, I'm gonna fast forward a little bit, and now we get to the modern mixtape era, which you have to give that credit. It's it's been going on in the culture People, rappers have been Because you gotta realize that most rappers hey, they broke, they trying to come up They couldn't afford a producer Most rappers only had a producer If they had a friend who made beats Now now wait a minute Uh, Again I really, really want to know about this shit And I'm glad I got both of y'all in this motherfucker with me today Because I really want to know about it So don't fast forward yet Okay I still want to stay on because we all because I understand the first phase. The first Mm -hmm. phase was DJs and common people taking various songs and a mix and assortment of various shit and putting it on a literal tape. Right. Right. So that's phase one for me. Right. I'm still at phase two. And y'all kind of explained it, but I'm still confused with the whole fact that niggas rapping over other people's beats. Now, from what I know niggas do that because the beat is hot like let's say Fabulous may rap over a Wu-Tang beat right which he did Fabulous may rap over a Wu-Tang beat because that beat is hot that beat is already established so that beat is almost like a billboard and for him right so because it's the Wu-Tang beat people hear the Wu-Tang beat and it's like alright let me see what they're gonna do with this so you already get the attention from rapping over a famous beat um and you just do that for 12 motherfucking tracks, 15 motherfucking tracks. That's what I know a mixtape to be. Right. Somebody else rapping over beats, and then they use that to promote their new project. So See, and that, would you guys say that that that's the DJ Clue error I know of. Let's talk about that DJ clue error for me and explain it to me. Okay. And there, let me let me go back and let me fill in one part. For yeah, you. fill it in for. Let me. me fill in one part for you. What's going on there is once again what I was trying to say earlier is you had up and coming rappers who didn't have access to production. So what they would do is the only way a rapper could get a beat is if he knew somebody who can make beats for him. Who he knew somebody who was just cool with him as a producer Then he could get some original beats But 9 times out of 10 What was going on in the neighborhood And in the area They would get the instrumentals from the hottest rappers And they would rap over them do their own thing to them And sell them in the neighborhood So you had these rappers that were neighborhood stars Before they were national stars You had these songs that were already popular And it was almost kind of like a joke It was almost kind of like You know, watch me do watch me do my thing to this run DMC beat, and let me make it for the niggas over in this hood that know we talk that you know talk like this. You know what I'm saying? So they would do it like that, or let me just show you how good I can rap over this beat. It was it was it was a neighborhood. It was more of a neighborhood.
1: And it was really just to get a rap rep because like a lot of times, like what's been lost on people now is the whole idea of scene uh, and. You know neighborhood and all this other stuff the structure that that was there some of that structure was kind of like bad because it would lock certain people out you know you may never have gotten a shot because you know had these people that was taking all the air out of the room and you had to kind of come at come at it from your own way but at one time like like we said the producer was the producer the dj was the dj sometimes the dj was the producer and the MC was the MC, and they would go around looking for guys like djs were the stars still at this time just like producers are the stars today the dj was the star so a dj would be making his tapes and he would break artists so he would go and find rapper a in the community that everybody heard about and he would feature him on several songs well once rapper a is able to do this when when the dj is performing out he can bring rapper a in to that show and say hey do that song that we did even to what you call his beat once people start catching on, like, hey, man, have you heard what your boy did to Blah Blah's beat? Man, that dude is cold, da-da-da-da. Well, the next thing you know, this gives him enough breath to go out and really test his own music and not just be some dude that ain't nobody ever really heard of. So it's kind of was it was kind of like a billboard and a marketing tool, but it all spins out of the fact that the DJ slash producers of the time had most of the power. Most of the DJs and right. stuff like that, they were the guys who were really breaking records, not just on yeah, the because- radio, but they were breaking records on the street. Cause they were the guys who were doing it all.
0: Yeah, because the DJs were getting all the vinyl. Yeah, the um, what is it called, Fred? When the DJ gets the uh, stri- the vinyl straight from the record labels. Is it, is it called servicing yeah, yeah, the DJ? Yes, servicing the DJ. The record labels, the record labels would actually service the DJs yeah. with anything. The, the The DJs would get stuff that the record stores didn't even get, all in the name of promotion. The the DJ just because, especially if he had a mix show. The DJ would get his. He would get exclusive instrumentals on vinyl. He would get remixes on vinyl. He would get songs that wasn't coming out for a couple weeks on vinyl. So the DJ had access to all this hot stuff that was coming in because the DJ, like Fred said, the DJ was the most important part of hip hop. So, because everybody knew, and you got to think about the time now. Radio was still
1: hot. Radio was where ac- you actually found and broke artists. And and you got to remember, this is an underground culture that was going under the radio because for the longest time, the radio didn't want anything to do with it. And see, that's why I said a lot of people missed the importance of what scenes were. See, like there were people who would never see the light of day or hear, see the light of day on a radio station, except for in those late night mix shows. Right, right. And but... They were like well-known in their community. They, you know, they, anytime they were at parties, the parties were packed. So they were, you know, they were getting all this stuff. So they became local celebrities as being the known rapper. And everybody known, knew who the known rapper was. These mixtapes were ways to further that brand.
0: Okay, so I'm getting up to speed. So not only was it a way to get people familiar with your brand, not only was it a way to promote a new artist, but it was also and to get you a deal and to get you a deal. So it's it, it's promotion and it's it's promotion slash demo. Right, right. But not only that, it was just a way for niggas to have fun and pass out some shit around the hood. Right. Hey man, I'm rapping over a Wu Tang beat. I'm rapping over a Guru beat. I'm rapping over a DJ Premier. Oh, beat. did you hear such and such? Did you hear such and such mix show? Okay. Did you hit? Did you hear the new such and such that just came out? Nah, no, man, I ain't heard it. Here, go the tape, man. Put the tape in. Okay. Which. Which which now the now you see where the boombox is so important. Okay. Now you see where the boombox comes in because nine times out of ten, what they were playing on the boomboxes were mixed shows. I came in. I came in on the DJ K Slays, the Red Alerts, DJ Clues, Who Kid. That's the era of mixtape I came in on. Right, and that's still, that's when that culture was actually kind of moving to the forefront. That's when that's when people figured out that that part of the culture was important to push hip hop. Those 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 tapes right there are true mixtapes. Those are true hip hop mixtapes. They are nothing like the modern version that we're gonna talk about now. DJ Clue, Red Alert, K Slay, those guys took through the New York tradition of mixed shows and featuring rappers and pushed it to the forefront
1: and made it national and made because it national. basically they took what the way new york guys were breaking a lot of their talent and they made it a national trend that everybody was doing because when you look at it at the time yeah a lot of people were rapping over different people beats and stuff but you you just didn't have that same scene that cohesive scene culture that you had in New York where you had that huge group of people bustling back and forth and you had streets like Canal and stuff like that where they were selling hot uh, Prada purses and all this other stuff, not necessarily even hot fake, you know, Rolexes that tick. (laughs) You had all that stuff going on and you had people also selling music of all kinds and, you know, you had, you know, so whether it was bootleg or whatever, these guys were out here doing it. Well, what Clue did and what these other guys did, like K Slay and everybody, Mm -hmm. they did what... Uh, Russell Simmons was and doing Flex can't Def- forget about and, Flex oh yeah
0: can't forget about Flex because yeah. he was like the forefather of all of it yeah
1: so yeah it's uh sort of sort of so but my thing is the same thing is look at what Russell Simmons was like when Russell Simmons and Rick Rubin were trying to do when they said we need to capture the essence of what's going on at this club right and that was the early Def Jam records basically all of these DJs were talking about they was like, we need to capture, we're capturing the essence of what they're doing on these mixtapes. And then the next thing you know, everybody's trying to do it. And the last thing i say about it is, really 50 Cent was the last man to super hard cash in on right. the
0: old model of it. Right. And that's where I was finna go. Yeah. And that, and that's where I was finna go. And, and um, as you fast forward, and, and kind of what happened, here's how 50 Cent came in. Here's kind of what happened. What happened, rapper, DJ's, the DJ's importance and popularity started to decline as the rappers' popularity started to go up because the major companies started realizing the rapper is the cash cow. So, and that was going on, and at the same time, radio was starting to be um, conglomerized. Do you think uh, technology fucked it up too? Not that early. What really, what really changed? What really changed DJ and his radio? Is the conglomerates started buying records, started by not record stores, but started buying radio stations. And they started making cuts. And what happened was when you make cuts, who the first to go? The late night DJ. Yeah.
1: You know what I'm saying? You cut the
0: budget and you cut the DJ out. And so now what you what happens is the the DJ loses because you gotta remember on these the DJ, especially on hip hop radio was the go-to guy. He was the most important factor. The mix show was the most important factor. Well, you got people outside of the culture that don't understand that because they haven't followed the history from the original conception of the mixtape until now, so they don't get the importance of it. They're just looking at the dollar bills, and they're looking at the, 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 the uh, numbers not adding up. And so they cut the DJ out. And focus more on the rapper, and focus more on singles because those are what's gonna make money. And you can, and, and you know, the DJ just pretty much is
1: is 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 an unnecessary
0: part of the whole structure right now.
1: And 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 then really, it also just it came from the fact that uh, people started noticing. Like I said, once hip hop became more of, you know, it was going from the fad stage, like where everybody was calling it a fad and everything, yeah, to like. Um, Actual national predominance, like people started focusing more on the the large personality that was the MC. Right, right. And they weren't paying attention to the DJ. If you pay attention back in the days, DJ's names were often mentioned before their MC because it was an entire outfit. DJ,
0: Jazzy Jeff, and And the the French French Prince, 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 Eric B., and and Rock Kim.
1: Right. So you got like that type of stuff. But once it got to a certain point, like the large personality of the MC took over. And when the large personality of the MC, that's what everybody's familiar with. They're familiar with that guy, you know, and people were giving props to their DJ back in the day like, get a D, you know, I can't do it without my DJ, DJ, blah, blah, he's the illest. That slowly went away when it came down to, hey, we got this guy in here that's going to, when production styles change, when you had actual people who started doing hip hop production and it was no longer just making stuff from breaks and records and so on and so on, The production style changed. That changed everything. Uh, the record label saw that, hey, man, I can actually get somebody to come in like old buddy that made the entire Houdini album. Right, he made the right, entire right. Houdini album and he's like a synth king. What's his name? Um, I got to go look it up, cause but he's a legend. Like, Because it's going to escape. Is it right Larry now. Hughes? It may be. I don't 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 hold me to it, because like, again, I you know, like I said, this dude was a legend. And, you know, I don't want to beat his name up, but it was guys like that that changed the game and it changed the game to a certain point. And then, like you said, you move forward when you really move forward, you get down to media consolidation. And when you look at media consolidation, what that did was that said, look. Uh we can't play but so many songs because we're only gonna pay for so many songs a year. Yeah, right. And you know, we don't need DJs breaking records anymore. We got this 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 group of songs that has been pushed to us by our normal people. The right. money's been we, our that, palms that's have been, been through research. Exactly. Quote unquote research. Yeah, our palms have been greased, XYZ. But anyway, I digress. That's pretty much what we end up getting. But it pretty much started from the streets when the the voice of the MC drowned out. The DJ DJ. in the mind of popular Culture when it came to hip hop Hip hop heads we still were looking For the DJ but they were looking For the crossover and if you remember EPMD talked about that in that song Crossover they were looking for that Hey what song can I make it sing songy Enough or can I make it whatever to make enough People listen to my joint
0: right right and Then that's Fast forward again a little bit That's when 50 Cent pops up Because 50 Cent took that That street model of making a parody of a song, getting the beat, making a parody version of it, and selling it hand-to-hand. Okay. So, phase one. 70s, early 80s. Right. DJs and the common man taking various mixes and putting it on the cassette tape. Right. Phase two. Niggas rapping over somebody else's beat so they can gain popularity. Right and somewhere in there 3 before is, we get to 3 somewhere in there the dj lost popularity and power well that would that would be like the end that would phase 3 would be djs taking it to a national level that would okay. that would be so djs in, what phase still, D, in phase 1 and 2 what phase the djs lose the power in transition from or when they lost power yeah
1: that actually came that was actually earlier in it because really that was one of the first shoes that dropped Basically when the the, the MC's voice when the MC's voice overpowered the DJ's voice in the minds of many of the consumers, like not, and I'm talking about the casual listeners here. I'm not talking about the died-in-the-wool hip hop heads that will, you know, take to the blogs and go crazy if I say this. We're talking about the casual record-buying consumer when they were remembering the moniker of Big Daddy Kane and they weren't associating it with anybody else. See what I'm saying? When right. they were thinking about like just the the single big rappers and they weren't thinking about anybody else. Even when you had Biz Markie out, you just think about Biz Markie you weren't thinking about it, but cool v his dj right. so even though he mentioned cool v a lot it was still like biz Marquee that you really were looking for and so at the end of the day that's when things really started to change because when you look at it moving forward even to this point now it's funny because the, the the producer is actually outweighing many rappers and they're making many rappers you know what i mean right so right. Th- you got superstar producers now you know what i mean you had superstar producers before but not to this level and like the dj has almost you only got a handful of groups that would even dare say they have a dj now you know right
0: so once again um and i'm gonna gonna toss it to fred talk about 50 cent and little wayne because those two guys revolutionized the modern dj era and made it what it is today
1: i'm gonna say like with 50 cents 50 cent is really the ultimate game chamber i think that uh, Little Wayne capitalized off what Fifty Cent was right, doing. Right, right, right. So basically, when you take a look at Fifty, he basically used that Canal Street structure to go on. When you look at his history, how he knew um, uh, the DJ from um, uh, Jam Master uh, Ah, the DJ from Run DMC. Jam Master, Jam, J. Master Jam J. R.I.P. J. One of my favorites of all time. I was gra- uh, grad- glad to be able to meet him before he passed, but. Um, you know, he's working with him. He mm. taught him a lot about the industry, but he had a bunch of unfortunate events. Now, 50 could have fell out of the market and just did nothing at that time and just said, it's over. I'm, you know, I got to the street stuff, yada, yada, yada. No, he actually took the mixtape and started rising in the streets. Using the mixtape as a tool, and he was, you know, constantly pumping out these mixtapes using popular beats, and that's really what gave him his moniker. That's that's what kept him hot in the streets. Like, you know, when he couldn't get his hands on production or something like that, he's, you know, snatch whatever hot he was, was out there. He was still beats exactly. <laughs> and he would get out there, and he would just be out there. Boom. You know, killing these beats, and that helped him rise up. When you, by the time you get to people like Little Wayne and everything, they're riding the wave that was established right, right. by. But I was 50. saying, talk about
0: Little Wayne because he was right after fifty. Exactly. When 50, 50 started that ripple, and yeah. Little Wayne rode it on
1: in. Yeah, and that's
0: when everybody else started yeah, to exactly, and that's when everybody, everybody else started to do it
1: exactly. And what, because what Wayne and them did was they saw what was going on with that East Coast. That vibe that was bubbling up, and it's it was throughout the country, but nothing quite like New York. You know what I'm saying? Because New York, pretty much, they did it like on a high level because they had a dense population. They had the Canal Street, like I said. You got all these other spots that you can get mixtapes and all this other stuff from. You turn around and you got like down south. Okay, we always there's hustlers down south. Now baby. wait,
0: now hold. On, let me say, let me cut you off right there because I was going to talk about that. Um, down a down south mixtape is completely different from a New York mixtape. Well, hold on. You know, there was no you know, I, the DJs I, didn't down here, number one, it was mostly dance. Yeah. No, and the DJs didn't talk over the beats. But
1: you got to remember, have you ever been to these truck stops they got down here or run into the tape man or whoever done put together the CD? Most of the time, they doing what the classic people were doing, like taking the, the top 40 hits and like, man, I got it all on one CD. Right. And then like you may have some local rapper or somebody like that uh, that's trying to get a name for themselves. They, you know, they pretty much rapping to other people's beats or so they doing whatever they do. And they got their, and that. And that's how they kind of pop, you know, popped off from there. And that's what, I feel like that's what Lil Wayne was doing to try to you know, cross markets. And it was a combination of that and what was already established by... Um, 50 Cent. When J- 50 Cent, uh, K-Slay. Right. right. Uh, 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 o- DJ uh, Clue. Clue, yeah, all uh, of these Fault guys. Master Flex. Exactly. All of those guys, I feel like he pretty much took it and galvanized it in the South. I think he galvanized it in the South. But it's see, he did the East tape, Coast version. Screw tapes were happening. Yeah,
0: screw tapes. Yeah, uh, but, it was, but other- screw tapes was like...
1: Texas. Yeah, that's why I it said. Was that, was strictly, that was so like Texas driven. is so
0: big that you could you go gold in, in Texas and nobody know your name.
1: And see, the one thing I'll say about that, and then I'm, I'm going to give it back to Joe, but one thing I say about that—that's another example of how, like we said, that it went around the country. Like Texas already had their own own identity with the mixtape, but throughout the South, don't get it twisted. You could go to your little truck stops, you could go to the gas station, or whatever your bondo is in your hood, your bodega. Well, we ain't got bodegas down here, so we gonna call it a bondo. So we gotta we go say the bondo in Georgia, uh, the little corner uh, store, right? As they right. call it in Alabama, whatever. You basically had somebody was slanging something out there. they right, were, they were right. like selling CDs. They were doing some yada yada yada. You know, then you had your CD man that was just going from spot to spot, and they always had something. And basically, Little Wayne and them they capitalized on it, and that's how they made like a real big time Chitlin' circuit down in the South right, based on right. it. But a lot of this came from the strength of what was coming out of New York, which is Fifty Cent and yeah.
0: And see, and before you jump in, let me say this. Yeah. Um. Once again, the, in that mixtape era and in that mixtape phase, a East Coast mixtape was different than a, than a Down South mixtape or even a West Coast mixtape because what they were doing on the East Coast, they talked over the beats. They would come in, they would hype it up. Yeah, DJ okay. so-and-so, it's done right here, live and direct. Let's get it. Let's go. That's a New York style. Down South was Luke. All right, now don't forget that because I want to come back to that. I'm still in class. I got my textbook open and y'all done took me through the goddamn mixtape history and I'm like in chapter five right now. Uh, I'm in phase two. So don't forget the difference between mixtapes and areas and all that shit. Right now, what I want to talk about is this modern mixtape shit. Yeah, that's why I was finna take it. That's why I'm finna take it. Because the last, here's what it is for me. The last mixtape I heard where somebody was rapping over another nigga's beats with the exception of Lil Wayne because he still does it but the last mixtape I heard where another nigga was rapping over somebody else's beats was 50 Cent and that was in the early 2000s the first mixtape I heard where it sounded like a fucking album was Lil Brother Chitlin' Circuit that shit sounded like an actual album. And I'm like, this ain't no mixtape. Why are they calling it a mixtape? This is an actual album. And both that was like 2004, 2005 when I heard Chitlin Circuit. And the 50 Cent was in also in like the early 2000s. 2000. 2000. So basically, there was a changing of the guard. You went from, I'm going to rap over another nigga's beats and call it a mixtape to phase three. Which we're in that phase right now, which is I'ma make a fucking album and call it a mixtape. Okay. How do we get there and Lawrence okay. G explain that let shit? Me, let me let me let me finish my point and then I'm gonna hand it off to Fred. Um, the difference between an East Coast mixtape and a down south mixtape was like I said, you had the DJ that said his name, that talked a lot, that yeah, he interrupted the beat. He was, you know what I'm saying? That's the East Coast style. DJ Envy still does that to this day. That's the East Coast style of DJing. The West Coast style of DJing was Luke, where you had a bunch of party songs, you had a bunch of party In records, south, and south. it was oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the 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 Southern style yeah. of 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 a mixtape was Luke. And it was, uh you know, pretty much just a straight dance, non-stop booty shake dance record, and well, they would chant. It would be the, do the so-and-so, do the so-and-so, do the so-and-so.
1: Don't forget, though, people like Mr. College Park, a.k.a. DJ, DJ Smurf, Smurf, who came from Alabama a and You know, he went to, well, he came from Atlanta, but, you know, went to right. Alabama a They were developing a certain style also that would had melded the street music Right, so the Sound of the Streets with the Ghetto Boys, UGK, and everybody else was doing at the time A-Ball and MJG that weren't dance were doing, they melded that sound to a lot of the R&B and the dance right. songs of right. the time and they made these these kind of mashup songs. Right. So, like, in the South, it was more so people wanted to straight up hear the song. Right. So, like, and DJs weren't promoting themselves as hard in the South. Right. Just depending, right. they would promote themselves at the beginning of the song or at, at the, the, at the end, end of the song right. like you like and or you'd have a little guy or somebody saying something like this is a dj smurf mix right and so that would be like that's how it would be and you know the rest of the song would just be the dude doing what he do right now right. and then you move over and you look at memphis memphis developed a whole nother thing like and that's what and they had like that memphis sound that pretty much is what the three six mafia uh, Juicy, well not Juicy J, but uh, uh, Play Player Fly, Tommy Wright the third, Nasty Nardo, right, right. all them dudes. They had a certain sound and they were doing tapes based on that. And and what these tapes would do, they would provide them with like space in between them doing literal work of their own. So people be like, Man, hey man, I got that Nardo tape, but hey. Hey, he got an album coming pretty soon. Hey, you heard Nardo on DJ so and songs, whatever, right, man. That right. dude clown. And he on that, that Patty LaBelle song tripping out. Right, right. So that's what would happen.
0: And in Texas, you had the you had screwed up click, who yeah. you know, they was doing their own thing down there with the lean. And, and the the reason why a DJ screw mixtape sounds the way it does is because it was drug influenced. Because when you drink lean, the way they drink lean. It slows everything down. If you listen to music on Lean the way they did it, I don't know about what they're doing now, but if you, listen to, if you listen to music the way DJ Screw and the SUC actually did it back in the day, the music would literally slow down. You would hear everything in the world slow down. So what DJ Screw did was take the element that he was experiencing during that high and make it happen in real life. And 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 so then he brought a bunch of other people in, and that took off. It, it took off to the point where other DJs started doing it and calling it screwed up.
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's that chopped and, and, D, and screwed. Yep. They
0: would call it chopped and screwed, and DJ Screw was like, don't call it. You can call it what you want. You can call it the, the DJ Fred, but don't call it screwed. You yeah. can call it chopped and freeze, but don't call it screw. Yep. Because screw is my name, screwing is what I do.
1: Yep, yep. And so that's it. And, and that, so
0: that's what happened in the yeah. South. The South kind of had its own his – own. It, it, the South, are, the roots are based in dance. It's yeah. always going to be based in dance. Yeah. It's always going to be based in and Luke, it's, it's based
1: MC D. Actually, it's based in rhythm. Well, oh, like yeah, the rhythm. South, the, South, the South, like I said, the, the East Coast, and we could get into that later because I don't want to segue too much because I know we could get off on it, but the East Coast is you know is more – it's a certain type of structure with theirs and it's basically out of their the building blocks or whatever thing right. was. But when you get to the south, and it's and it did this with how people listen to music too. In the East Coast, you're more you can you're gonna be more of a pedestrian most of the time. Right, right. But in the south, you're gonna be a rider. Right. A you lot of pedestrian. Right. Exactly. So they're looking for bass, they're looking for whatever. And like I said, the party, like when you had scenes like Miami, that's why the booty shaking stuff was big. Clubs in Atlanta, the booty shaking and stuff like that's big. When you riding through the countryside, people want you know they want their music knocking because it's like it kind of they get into it they turn their club their car into a club right so that's a whole different thing california they had their own feel. they was like into the funk and they wait they they and i hate to use the word way because that's a new york thing too but they had a kind of you know a, a an experimental like out there vibe. even their gangster music could come with this weird you know funk vibe like, right you right. know and they they're experimenting with their voices and how they said stuff and all this other stuff dude like i, I was discussing this with joe earlier you could be listening to some West Coast music. A dude talking about how he gonna kill you a thousand ways, but he's doing it comically. Right. We were talking about how, like, uh, Ice Cube said on one of his actual songs, like, you know, everybody freeze on your knees, buck naked, please. You know, he's right. just saying like little silly stuff like that. Whereas, you know, other places they straight up like, I'm gonna kill you, I'm gonna shoot you, I'm gonna, you know, like you know, right, whatever, you know? right,
0: right, exactly, so. exactly. And the reason that I brought all that up, buck naked, please. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> That's my shit. <laughs> Everybody freeze on your <laughs> knees, butt naked, please. <laughs> that's my shit. <laughs> that's my shit, man. You know you fools to try to act hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. AD, anyway, man. That's my ADHD. Let me let me reel it back. Okay. But anyway, that's why I said all that to say this. I said all that today that I, I brought in the differences because what DJ Drama did, DJ Drama brought the East Coast element of DJing down south so you had down south production and you had dj drama come in and talk over the beat but he would do it in such a way where he didn't drown out the music he got you at the beginning he got you at the end and he maybe said something in the middle okay okay teachers okay teachers you guys are teaching me today so what i'm learning is within the first two phases again the first phase DJs and the common man taking various mixes of music and putting it on a cassette tape. That's phase 1. Phase 2 is niggas rapping over everybody else's beat. That's phase 2. Within those first two phases, and those two phases are like what? The 70s and 2000s? From the 70s to the yeah, from from the 70s to the to the 2000s. Okay. 98, 99. Okay. So in within those first two phases that I just mentioned, the DJ lost power. The rapper became more popular, and the concept of a mixtape left New York within that time frame and morphed into what the South does, what the East Coast does with it, and what the West Coast does with it. Right, so most right. of the history and the and the changes of a mixtape came within the first and second phase. Okay I'm up to speed Now we need to talk about phase 3 Shit sounds like albums nowadays Right now I'm going to say this The first time you said it was Lil Brother I'm going to be honest with you I was late to Lil Brother So the first time I actually heard A quote unquote mixtape That was an actual album Was Big Crit Uh, Crit was here that was the first time I. That was the first time I heard the an album and was like, "This what the fuck is this for free?" You know what I'm
1: saying? You're forgetting for a, a fish scale um, uh, by uh, by um, Ghostface Killer. Ghostface Killer. Now, but, but even like, and that's something called a. CW but space. I have to.
0: But you know what? I got to be honest with you. It, it may not be in order, but that but Crit was the first one I noticed.
1: Yeah. But yeah, but the, the, and that's what I'm saying. Everybody noticed it at a different time based right. on what they listen to. Right. But one thing I would actually say, that's something there's a phenomenon called the street tape that morphed out of the mixtape. Right. The street tape is kind of like an actual album that can be released by an artist and is pushed through the mixtape for through the mixtape world. But it's not necessarily your classic mixtape with them rapping over other beats. Sometimes they do incorporate other people's right, beats right, right. and they have a bunch of their own beats. But honestly, it's how it's put together. Cuz back in the day, the DJs, they would put this cohesive effect on the album and you know, they would, you know, tie everything together. And they would make these. They would make some mixtape sound like an album. That's why they have the Gusto Awards, like that gives out to the most well. Do they still do the, Gusto? Yeah, they still they, do the they, Gusto? They brought it back. Yeah, I think they did. I believe I had to double check. Oh, I'm
0: thinking about the. Uh, so I'm thinking about the Justin, or is that the same thing?
1: I yeah, you th- you know, I think it's something else because like Gusto was the uh, the DJ award. Ah, yeah, yeah okay, yeah, okay, but okay, but okay, but, okay, I, but okay, and, I, and I was gonna say, I was gonna say about that, like basically. A lot of times they do these street tapes or whatever because, number one, you can't clear some samples. I was just going to bring that say up. With, let's say you're working with a production team and, you're produ- and you got some beats that you know you ain't finna clear. You got Queen. Hell, you got, every, let's name it, people that don't clear samples, period. Right. And But the, the beat, fire, And you said, man, look, this is going to be the dopest song ever. And this is what happened to Ghostface Killer. Like That's why people were like, man, his actual release was not as good as the mixtape. And, you know, and that happens several times. So basically he end up, you know, doing his little whatever. And that gets his fans a whistle wet and they ready to jump on whatever. And, you know, they jump out there, they see what's out there. And, hey, we finna roll with that. That's been happening for a very long time. Like you have label troubles and you still own your material or your label ain't putting out your material right away. You go hit the streets, do this quick, whatever, because you've been working with Bookie and them. They They doing some production for you. Boom. You're yeah. going to put the album out through the mixtape market and let people know that you're out there still.
0: And we also got to talk about how much the MP3 affected the uh, mixtape culture too. Yeah. Okay. Because the MP3 is why the record labels are in the shit tank now. <laughs> okay. I got a bunch of shit I want to say. Okay. Um. So your earliest recollection of a mixtape sounding like an album was Crit. Yeah, Crit was here. My earliest recollection of a mixtape sounding like an album was the Chitlin' Circuit. So that's 04. That Crit here, came, Crit was here, I think, wow, it came out, what, 05? Yeah. Yeah, so Crit here came out like 05. And my recollection was like oh three, oh five. whenever the Chitlin' Circuit came out. Forgive me for not knowing what year that came out. Fred, what was your earliest recollection of goddamn album sounding like a mixtape mixtape sounding like an album
1: see that's gonna be tough for me because like i would actually say because you gotta you really gotta get into it like you gotta go back and you know i can tell you one of the most like I said, when i mentioned that ghost face because that was one of the most ones that stood out the biggest for me you know what i'm saying because that was as happening more fish was just even more brutal that more fish album was like why the hell did you not release this but yeah, um what year it was? I think it was like it was either two thousand two, two thousand three, something no, like that. Fish, no, more fish, that was late. I'm thinking
0: like later than that. I'm thinking like 07, 08. What? No, <laughs> more
1: fish, yes. But I said like but the fish scale itself, that was earlier than
0: that. Yeah, fish scale was earlier than that. Yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. So
1: fish scale itself, more fish came out later. Right. Like it was like oh six or something. Right, right. Like but but the, the but the bottom line is it's hard for me to remember because I I remember back when uh, like, really, Marley Mall and them were doing that type of thing. Right, right. You know, they were actually doing like albums. Like, one of the first, what's cause I got was a mixtape, and it was the Juice Crew. And the Juice Crew, my cousin gave me a Juice Crew mixtape, and that Juice Crew mixtape sounded like the Juice Crew album. Right, right. You know, I, I don't know, you know what I mean? I, and they were just doing all that other stuff. It literally sounded like I remember them rhymes, and they used some of them rhymes on their album.
0: Who is the Juice Crew and what year are you talking about? The, School me,
1: please. Somebody. Shit. The Juice Crew. Yeah, that's Big Daddy Kane. Big Daddy Kane. Craig, Craig Mas- B. Master Ace. Go ahead. Right. Uh, um, yeah, cool, cool G Rap. Um, who else? Bismarck Key was associated, but he wasn't necessarily in it because he had a song on, on the, uh, the little mixtape called uh, We Write the Songs. Like, who else was in the crew? Uh, let's see. There's, uh, uh, I know Shan didn't want to be in it. But anyway, it was a super group. Of Big Daddy Kane, Cool G Rap, Craig B, Master Ace, you know, and you know, and they so were so all forth. produced by um, all Marley, 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 Marley Marley and they were all produced yes. by Marley Mar. And it Marley. was really a Marley Ma effort, in the same way the RZA put together the Wu Tang Clan to further his own, uh, you know, production and his own stand in the industry. It's the same way that Marley Ma put together the Juice Crew. Because I actually interviewed Master Ace a good while ago. And he actually explained that to me. Because I always thought that they came together. No, they're not a crew of, like, friends that came together. This is something that Marley, this is Marley's idea. And he went and got MCs, because he wouldn't have even been in it. Because Shan was supposed to be where Ace was. But Shan didn't want to be associated with it because he felt like he was bigger than that. But that's when, and that was like in 89. Yeah. My cousin, my older cousin gave me that mixtape. Gave me that mixtape. You know i got that at the house a tape you know what i'm saying right so yeah that's that's the first one i remember that was like that and is, you know, it was
0: like that. damn so yours is 89 fred mine is like 2003 2005. And i'm late to the party with 05. okay um now this street tape shit um recently i was listening to chance the rapper and he's got a song on there like Does anybody still it's care about me? a mixtape? Right, with your know, young thug and uh, who is on that album? Coloring book is the name of his album mixtape. It yeah. sound like a fucking album. Right, it's or oh, street tape. It's a, yeah. So. Um, here's my, my I got a take, and maybe Fred will have another take. My take is um, like I said once again, you got to think about the MP3 and how Napster came and just really stuck their dick in the music industry and fucked it until they were finished. And that's really what happened. As what ha- out of the MP3, we kind of once I think you know I told you yesterday when I was talking to you that if you want to predict the future, look at the hit look at technology and look at the past and look at history and you can predict the future. MP3s took us right back to people picking their own songs and putting them on the format for themselves. That's that's. It took it right back. It took it right back to that. It all it did. Nothing changes except for technology. And I was just about to say that again. I'm learning this shit through you guys. So in the beginning, in the late '70s, you had people taking the music they wanted to hear and personalizing and customizing it the mixtape, their way, Mm -hmm. having music their way. Fast forward 32, 35 years later, you got people doing the same shit. You got people doing the same stuff, except they're doing it digitally now. As a matter of fact, you got some people, and I didn't even know people were doing this. Some people, you know, um, Apple comes with GarageBand already installed in it, right? There are some people who actually cut off features that they don't like. And put it on a mixtape. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. They the only the, they only learned in mix. They only learned in garage band how to cut and delete and export. That was all they learned because they take. Let's say you got a. Let's say you got a song with 50 Cent and somebody R&B song featuring 50 Cent. They don't like 50 Cent verse. Let's cut 50 Cent verse out. Stick it on they stick it on their MP3 player in a playlist. And now they got a mix of songs that they want the exact way they want to hear them. Okay, senseis. I'm in the dojo. I just had a Eureka moment. You refer, Fred, you refer to those mixtape albums as street tapes. Mm -hmm. I just had a Eureka moment. Do y'all think people create street tapes slash album mixtapes? Because if you do that, you'll have the freedom of a mixtape. You can steal you don't have to get sample clearances but you can have the structure of an actual studio album yes Iowa. that's what the that's what i was getting to the mp3 came in and gave artists more freedom because not only cuz not only now with technology could you get the instrumentals that you've always wanted to rap on in mp3 form and they're right there in your computer you can do what you want to them because you got to realize techn- technology took the bar and lowered it and now everybody can do it
1: and, and and here's one thing to always remember about all that even beyond the technology is how the gatekeepers refuse to embrace technology yes that caused everything to come down and, that, and that's why I say where,
0: that's it, why I say NAFTA yeah, stuck right. his dick in the music industry and fucked it till exactly. he was done and
1: see cause you remember they were charging like $20 for albums at one time Right. and you got other technology was coming and I can get into that whole that's a whole different spiel later let's, let's touch on it do.
0: just a little bit because it, it's actually important to the well, modern mixtape era
1: well what I would say is at the end of the day because the gatekeepers pretty much demanded to keep control of costs and pretty much to keep extorting the artists the way they did, they kind of pushed people in another lane because as music, as other forms of entertainment, like video games and you know, other popular things like music, I mean movies and so on and so forth caught on even further and you had bigger things going on. They kept increasing their price and increasing their price, which eventually people are going to say, wait a minute, I can't afford to go buy a $20 album. And then and our damn show sure came by 10 $20 albums.
0: Right, and then turn around so, and go see a $15 and, movie. Exactly, I can't <laughs> do
1: all that. So entertainment wise, you're killing me. So with the MP3 and with Apple Music and all them came along, they gave the people option of buying the exact songs they want, which would destroy the album, album generation. Sure. Right, Like we used to sit down and listen to entire albums. Artists would take years to, to make this specific piece of art for us and they would hand it to us and say here it is after three years you know eventually it got on steroids people were just dropping albums dropping albums dropping albums and they were overcharging for them but the bottom line is the gatekeepers were overcharging for them and still not paying the artists in comes technology provides a solution a way around people start making their own albums now we and you know and cutting out stuff like he said and arranging things how they want and sharing music like they always have The problem is the artists isn't getting the money that they need. Now we're going to move forward to where the mixtape and the street tape comes in on promo for the artist. The street tape means I can let you know I'm here. If I can pass out, I told you the other day I went to a show and artists was just passing me out material. Hey, listen to my stuff. Go to my site. Listen to my stuff. Go to my site. Listen to my stuff. Go to my site. They're doing that because music, like he was saying, like uh, Lawrence was saying, is similar. It's going in a cycle. Like, we're going back to a time when the show was more important than anything else. Right. And when your paraphernalia sales and your tertiary sales that are not music-related is more important, but you got to get them in the door with something. You got to make them fall in love with you. So, what Chance the Rapper and people like that do? Chance don't have a deal. What Chance does is he releases his album. He puts it out there. A bunch of people go download it, listen to it, stuff like that. He's going to go back and do a premium version of that. You see what I'm saying? And it's going to hit the charts and it's going to do whatever. But right now, Chance can go tour off that. He can go tour off the fact that Coloring Book is sitting high. It's been critically acclaimed. It's on Billboard. It's on Billboard. It's being critically acclaimed. He's going to go back and do a real release. So the the late bloomers and the late runners going to go in. Hey, it's too late. You can't get it free no more. Now you got to give me ten dollars. And so he's going to get money off of that. But most importantly, he can go do his Over the top price shows. He can also sell you Chance the Rapper swag. Hell, he could do a coloring book for a coloring book if he wants to and actually put that thing out there. And now he got he's got a way. He started that conversation. So I guess before I give it back to you, what I'm trying to say is the street tape and the mixtape now has become a conversation tool, like uh, as part of your sales arsenal as an artist where you can start your conversation with your fan base. See what I'm saying? So that's what a lot of these guys are doing. So what the gatekeepers forced is they forced people to start making product for free just about. You know what I'm saying? And they do it on the front end and hope to get the money on the back, back end. end now. Right. And so, let me
0: let me jump in. Before you say this, let me jump in. Sheet music was the first form of hand-to-hand music. Back in the day, people used to get sheet music and they would play that sheet music in their house. That was the first form of a record. You had to buy sheet music and play the instrument yourself to I get the music i can feel my brain growing and This there's so much information i love this shit this so, is informative as fuck man and then so we move on to radio right radio fucked people up because it was like oh no they can get the music for free it's streaming it's it, radio was it's nothing but the old school streaming oh no they can get the music for free it's gonna destroy the music industry the music the record labels actually thought the radio was going to destroy the music industry because the music industry was selling sheet music and shows. You had to buy sheet music. You had to go to a show. You had to per- pay a premium cost for both. So now an invention called the radio comes out and people get freaked out because now ain't nobody got to go to a show because now what's happening is you got bands coming to radio stations and playing music over the radio for free. Okay. So that's freaking record labels. So that's freaking record labels out. Oh, they're gonna get it for free. Nobody'll go to the shows. And so now what happened when records came out, and I'm and I'm taking, and this is all being repeated right now. The only thing that's changing is the technology and the name. So so what the record labels started doing when they realized ain't nothing gonna really happen, they started, they would find these popular songs, they would put them on 45s. A 45 ain't nothing but a small little vinyl record with one song on it on one side, an a side and a B-side. What they did, sometimes it might be the same song on both sides. What they did with the invention of the jukebox, they just took the vinyl stuck inside the jukebox. Now they can, they got back control of the, of the, of the uh, format by charging you a quarter to listen to your favorite song. Sound like iTunes? Yeah, that shit... This shit's incredible. It's all full circle. It's all full circle. Nothing Sound like new under the sun. So now what happens is. Nothing new under the sun. So now what happens is because the radio, because it's. See, the music industry is all about control. What the MP3 did was because, you know, you can only control what you can touch, you can only control what you can physically manufacture yourself. So what the what, what happened to the music industry was with the MP3, the record labels lost control. And they were too busy trying to gain control. They were too busy trying to push this old format of a CD, and and, and trying to hang on to what they knew worked for a hundred years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay. Instead of instead of going on with embracing what was new. Because honestly and truthfully, in the whole deal, Apple Music screwed the hell out of the record labels by charging them a 33 percent for their license. They Apple Music owns 33 percent of music, period. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's why Damn. they own 33% of all music. They they all the record labels sold. And I'm sitting here looking like, why would you sell 33% of your own music to somebody who's just going you could have you could have listened to the technology yourself and put this out. You could have listened to the coach. What was going on yourself? And you could have each. In my mind, each record label could have had its own downloadable music store and said, "Fuck you, iTunes." And how does the mixtape, street tape? Because what happens is, and it it ties into this because with the mixtape, you can no longer touch music. With mixtape, you can no longer control the manufacturing of music, and that's where the independent artist comes in, and that's where you get artists rapping over other people because once again. Mixtapes. MP3s, they move freely. And you can get instrumentals and everything and you can trade stuff back and forth online and post stuff on the internet as quickly as you need to. Take it down, change it, remix it. You can do all this stuff to the internet because once again we went back to the culture of picking individual songs. The common man picking individual songs, putting them on it, putting them on some kind of format. And, and picking them and playing them for themselves and sharing them themselves. So a mixtape street album is a very rebellious, anti-establishment thing at some point. I'm not going to say in its roots, but at some point it became a very rebellious yeah, thing. Yeah, it's a rebellious thing now because back in the day, you know, you bought a CD for $20 and it, it only might have one song on it. And then, and I'm going to pass the mic to Fred and a few because I know you want to say something real fucking important, but... I think it's amazing because, like I said, I had that Eureka moment about five minutes ago. I, I just figured out that you can have the structure. You basically you go in the studio, you create an album. You create an album, original artwork, original beats, guest appearances. You create an album, and you don't have to worry about. But you don't you have wanna, to worry about sample clearances. Yeah, that, that's what I'm. That's the that's the hack. You want to get around stealing people's samples. You want to get around all the bullshit and the politics, so you take that album, funnel it through the underground, call it a mixtape, call it a street tape, and you bypass all the politics. You bypass the sample clearances, but it can also be promotional and get people at your shows. What was you about to say, Fred? And after that, I want to talk about the future of mixtapes because we talked about the past and present. But Fred, what were you about to say?
1: Real quick, like I said, if, if you even go back, this is kind of like we're at a point where music is returning to its premium level yep. uh, service. If you go look at I believe it was Hank Williams, Jr. When he w- when he first came out, well, Now Hank Williams, Sr., I'm sorry. When he came out, there was a company called Mother's Best Flower. Mother's Best Flower actually pretty much gave him a contract and they would give away his records every time you bought a bag of yeah. mother's best flower you get a hank Williams senior single so basically art at its core has always had patrons or somebody else to carry it on the music industry just created pretty much created a system where it kind of turned artists into sort of like prostitutes where you know it kind of like put all of these middlemen in the middle to say we're gonna we're gonna make you big 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 we're gonna blow you up we're gonna do this we're gonna create this false ego for you we are gonna do all that Well, now you got guys like Pro Era, which has got Joey Badass in them. No record label. You know what I mean? You got guys, Chance the Rapper. Chance the Rapper's one of the biggest guys out there. No No record record label label to speak of.
0: Even old school guys like Fat Joe. Fat Joe got the biggest song in the country right now. All the way up. No No record record label. label.
1: And see, they do that because you can do that now with the right kind of pull and the right kind of buzz, working that independent circuit. Because like I said, you put out... A mixtape now to start the conversation. You put out a street tape to start a conversation right now. And it's important that as many people you can get, you say you got a cutoff point. I want to make sure 100,000 people download my thing. Once they 100,000 download it, I'm cutting it off. At that point, I can switch it over to iTunes for sale. You can't get it for free no more. See what I'm saying? By that Poison. point,
0: by that point, you're doing you, shows. You, you're for you're 50, doing shows, for five to
1: six thousand a pop. Yeah,
0: exactly. You're doing shows and your and you're selling merchandise. So everything yeah. that you that you um, you're recouping everything on the back end with your merchandise and your shows and 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 features and popularity and everything else. You, okay. you still sure can sell
1: records, but it's not gonna be the same clip that you used to. Right. I can feel the
0: wrinkles developing on my brain. I'm learning so much. This is very interesting. So, I'm damn near forgetting we doing the show. This just feels like real talk. So, the future of mixtapes. We we talked about the past and the present. We talked about people cont- taking back control of music. So, what what where are we heading in the future? You wanna take that one, Fred?
1: And not jump in behind you? In my opinion, like what we're gonna pretty much see in the future is there's going to be a shakedown where we got to see what's going to happen to the remnants of the existing labels. But you know, it's not, everybody's expecting this glorious time where the artists can run free and they can do all this other good stuff. It's going to be the business minded artists that can seize this opportunity and build actual, you know, environments for themselves. I personally think that eventually they're going to be secondary services like mother's best flower mm-hmm. and people like that, that's going to step up and they're going to start, uh, offering artists opportunities to put their product out against a new pair of nike airs well, like um you
0: know the cartoon network is doing that. yes right the now. cartoon
1: network is doing that right now and i think that's going to become more and more prevalent like you're still going to have the labels even nickelodeon when you look at nickelodeon and disney they have their own kitty bop you know franchise where they just they 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 making music on the back end of their artists and they got if you go to my xm channel you got a disney channel mm-hmm. so basically at the end of the day you're going to have like a splintering and everybody's going to be able to go to these niche markets and every you're going to go in your niche market and you can become a king in your niche market. And if your song is big enough in your niche market, it may break out. I think everything is going to come become just a lot more niche. You know what I'm saying? Pop is going to be a lot more kind of this water because pop has went from being the hottest song in the nation to being like its own Weird genre of right, like everything that's right. bouncing right now. Because at one time it was just like, hey, it could be electro, it could be hip hop, it could be whatever, but it was all on the charts yeah. together. Pop
0: was like the top forty, and and, pop, and, yeah. and and the reason he said niche, he's he's saying niche. I would take it back to the past, and I would say regional niche niche because bitch <laughs> because everything was regional. What happened with niche. pop music niche <laughs> niche 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 was uh, <laughs> everything was regional. And what Casey Kasem did, or, and people like him, they took the top 40 songs in the country. Philadelphia, Detroit, California, down south, Boston, you know, they took the top 40 songs and they put them all on the chart. Now these songs, these were the number one songs in specific regions. You had to be number one somewhere to be top 40 everywhere. You get what I'm saying? So that's very mixtape-ish. That's very mixtape-ish. That was called pop music, popular music. What happened? A one-stop shop. It was a one-stop shop. It could be funk. It could be jazz. It could be folk. It could devil be devil worship blues, music. It could be metal. It could be devil worship music. It could be. But it was Casey Kasem gave you the rundown of the top forty songs in the country. Basically, he gave you the top forty songs in the country on his own mixtape show. Okay, you and know I, what I'm saying, and I and, hate to go ahead. My bad. And then what happened was pop came, 99 2000. Well, uh, 80s really. The 80s pop started to well, become its own. Kind well, of, no,
1: because the 80s still had that thoughtful. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That sense, uh, yeah. Like it, like because that was new wave dominated the air but you still had rock and new wave and, and hip R- and, and then there was a type of r&b that was hidden at the time so it's like they would all be mixed in and you would see like hair bands that new wave stuff and then you know everything else and then you you know then you move forward and you had a certain type of r&b uh what was left of the new wave that the version of rock that was still per- permeating and you know of course michael jackson was just crushing it all at the time then you move forward and that's why they called him the king of pop because he's kind of in a way it was a a combination of him uh this is gonna be funny like him full force what bobby brown and them were Uh with new edition all of these guys gave birth to what became this weird genre because that's when the boy bands that's who they were stealing from right they were stealing from those guys.
0: Right. So uh, you, you would know. say about 2000. Yeah. When, to, when, the, when, when really,
1: when the boy bands took over, right. when the boy bands jumped in and it, when people started to realize, hey, man, why don't we just go get some, some cute dudes or some cute girls and get them to sing these corny songs? Which Full that's
0: Force wrote a lot of. Full, yep. Fo- Full Force wrote yep. for Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, Sync, yep. uh-huh. Britney Spears. So they were still making that money and exactly. taking a format and just giving it to white people. Exactly. But um, at the end of the day, in 2000, pop music started to become its own little thing yeah. and become its own genre and now pop music is, is 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 its own little has its own little niche. Yeah. Everything is going regional. Everything is going back region. He said niche. I'm saying regional. Everything is going back to being a regional thing. The future. Y'all already talked about the future, but I I want to give my opinion on it. It seems like the future of music in general mixtapes it seems like the future is going to be very customizable yep you're going to be able to go and it's already like that now but I, I i feel in the future it will get deeper into people being able to go where they want to go when they want to go there and listen to the music they want to listen to when they want to listen to it yeah exactly. and uh, as far as um and cable's going that way too cable is going that way too um my thing and and i'm gonna i'm gonna wrap it up um my thing is this, technology has brought music to the point where you don't need a record label, um, so you don't need permission to make an album. So what, you, what you're finna have happen is you're finna have a lot of artists that's just finna go ahead and make their own beats and, and, and make their own sound, and the mixtape as we know it'll change. And we need to stop saying the word mixtape and just call them albums at this point.
1: Well, there are street tapes, like I said, because a lot of people have gotten away from that other format. And then, like, now we've gotten digital. Hell, it's almost to the point where, like you said, we do need to call them albums and, and and really the future on all aspects of media and entertainment is about to be customizable and i'll I'll end on this note because me and you've had this this uh, discussion many times about media how it just needs to be a point where you just let people select what they want get them a pay-through service so everybody get a little taste of the of the toll let me pay a little toll and let me get what i want because really if to be honest with you Cable would have been gone a long time ago if it wasn't for live sports. Yep. Radio is hanging around. But the conglomerate, when they tie radio together, when they tie radio together, we're sitting here doing a podcast. Right. Right now. So there are so many people. When I started trying to do a radio idea with the guy and I kept telling him podcast is going to be the future. Right. Now you see. You see. That what we're doing right now, we're doing a podcast, and we're not the only one. The stars are doing. Bro, podcasts. there are three hundred thousand podcasts exactly
0: in existence it, right now.
1: Exactly, and 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 it's only gonna grow. So people are gonna come up, people are gonna fall off. Same thing with music. So now it's just about hey, get your idea out there, go for what you know, point at your audience, and that's the future. That's it. Point at who who are you trying to talk to? Talk to them first, and let them carry you. If they carry you forward, they carry you forward, and you go from there. That's what the future is. Yep. You know?
0: And on that note, man, we finna break up out of here. I am Lawrence G. That is Joey Burnham. This is Freddie Freeze, and this is the Grown Ass Man Hip Hop Show. And like we always say about this time, (laughs) Grown Ups, don't go out there and do no dumb shit. Because grown ass men... The grown man shit. We out. Yes, sir. The Grown Ass Man Hip Hop Show is brought to you by Fourth Coast Media, produced by Lawrence Trammell, and recorded at Fourth Coast Studios. This is a Fourth Coast Media production.
1: Fourth Coast?